I see with my own naked eye. I gotta cut the cord and fall away. That instinct I can justify. And on, please. Dumois has the whole story. Did, did you it? hear what Dumois, Dumois said? Dumois. Who is it? Oh, can you believe this blind item? Dumois was on that story a long time Sunday ago. Sunday mean celeb sightings with Dumois. I just DM'd Dumois. I cannot believe what I just read about I on Dumois. I need more. I need to hear more. Hello, and welcome to Do You, the show where you'll hear all the latest in celeb gossip and special exclusives that are not shared on my Instagram or anywhere else. I'll be your guide into the world of celeb news, sightings, and secrets. I will be giving you all of the information I have on your favorite topics every week. In this special Do You bonus episode, we're talking with former award-winning casting director, hit podcaster, and friend of the show, Donna Bowling. Let's get started. Want more from delivery? You can get it with Dash Pass by DoorDash. Looking to save on delivery? Dash Pass is your door to $0 delivery fees and more on DoorDash. I'm obsessed with DoorDash, aren't I, Ferris? You love <laughs> nothing more than a DoorDash day. I can save money on delivery and have everything I'm craving delivered right to my door. Speaking of cravings, the last time we ordered, what did we get, Ferris? You well, were here. You were like, I need a burger and fries. I just need a burger. Where should I order from? And I was like, well, what about the diner? And you said, oh, yeah. I'll yeah. just door dash it. Yeah. So that, that's exactly what happened. We did. And you were like, are you going to eat anything? And I'm like, no, no, no. And then I literally had the worst day and ate all of your fries. You did. Dash Pass is the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save money and time with every door dash order. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, Dash Pass makes it easy to save on restaurants, groceries, retail items, and all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Dash Pass pays for itself in two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today, only on DoorDash. Use code DOYOU and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a bonus episode of Do You. Today, it's just me and one of my favorite all-time guests, hit podcaster and former award-winning casting director, Donna Bowling. Hi, Donna. Hi, Do. So excited to be here again. I'm so excited to be here. This is supposed to be a Disney slash Nickelodeon bonus episode, but we were just talking before we hit record and... You have so much juice on topics that my readers ask me about all the time that I am not well versed in. One of them being Dancing with the Stars. You posted something on your IG stories this week. By the way, let's let's mark the date that we're recording this. Um, it is December 7th. You posted something yesterday, I believe, mm -hmm. or the day before about what you observed backstage at Dancing with the Stars. 
Yeah. So the the finale was this week. It was on Tuesday. And so what was cool about it was all the eliminated dancers and past contestants from previous seasons and a lot of other special guests were at the show. So a lot of them you saw on the show, if you watched it, like Lisa Vanderpump was sitting right in front of me and Charlie D'Amelio was, she actually performed and her mom and like a bunch of other people were there. A bunch of the bachelorettes like Gabby, Wendy was there and um, Hannah Brown and whatever. So it was kind of really cool to be there on this day, um, especially, you know, I'm, I was team Ariana the entire time. I think she's amazing. And I was so thrilled to be able to kind of see her and all the Vanderpump people there. But my husband works on the show. So I was hanging out with him backstage before the the show like started its pre-taping and it's in the area where everyone is doing their like last touches with their makeup and their hair. And it's a lot of agents, managers, family members that are kind of just hanging out. But, you know, I have my spidey senses on. I have he- like eyes on every single corner of my head. And I just was like taking it all in. And I am convinced that there is definitely a, a couple, a couple couples that have come okay. out of this. Um, so the big thing is Harry and Riley. Everyone's talking about this. Now, Harry, Jowsey yes. and Riley are the cute. Number one, they're both so insanely cute and mm-hmm. so beautiful. Riley's family, I sat next to them during the um, premiere episode and they're wonderful. Her dad was so nervous for her. Mom was so nervous. And Harry, like, I love him, but he wasn't the best dancer. So I think they thought he was going to probably get eliminated really early on, but they lasted really long. And then people started to say, what's going on there? Because they started hanging out so much outside of the show. And I know after they got eliminated, he posted it in in his car at some point. Like he gave her some crazy expensive bracelet. I think it was like, I don't know, jewelry. Do you remember this? Yes. I, I don't know if it was like a Cartier something or whatever. I think it was like a Van Cleef or Cartier or something like that. Yeah. Like I would hook up with Harry for that too. <laughs> I mean, someone call me. Um, so anyway, at backstage, I see the mom who is lovely and we uh, connect. And then I notice that like Harry and her are... Listen, I mean, it's hard to say, does this mean that they're in love and a couple? There's no way to know, but there's definitely a connection. There's touching, there's handholding, there's smiling at each other, there's winking, there's, you know, you can just feel it. I think that like, it's one of those things that as a person observing and knowing the history between them, and then of course, like the Mauricio and Emma Slater, you're just like, there's people that are friends and then there's people that have a chemistry. That's it. 100%. And you posted this on your Instagram stories. A couple people forwarded it to me and you said <laughs> it just like blew up. People are so into this storyline, which is why we're talking about it today to get think- your real life POV on the situation. Of course, nothing's confirmed. We don't know. This is just what you observed. I have a a few other things that I'm going to talk about on my Patreon this week. I do a Patreon every week where I kind of give you more behind the scenes stuff. So I'll definitely go deeper into that because I have to save something for my subscribers. No, of course. I mean, you just gave us so much. Thank you. I thought you were just going to mention it. You like went in. I was like, not stopping you. But yes, everyone go listen um, to Donna's Patreon and follow her on Instagram. She is a wealth of information. You mentioned Emma and Mo. Prior to this, we were talking about a I blind item. I love how you called him Mo, by the way, just now. Oh, Mo. do people not call? Do, I don't even I know what that's... people. 
Um, prior to this, you and I were just discussing a blind item that was in the Demois newsletter. By the way, sign up for the Demois newsletter. There are exclusive blind items there every week. And there was one about Dancing with the Stars. Someone took the blind item, put it on Twitter, mm-hmm. and Emma's husband liked it. And it was about alleged infidelities. Okay, so this is so confusing to me, and I was it's sitting at dinner. Confusing to me, too. Yeah. Okay, I was sitting at dinner last night with my husband, who works on the show. He's worked on the show now for years. And he has never heard this rumor. So he was kind of shocked by this. But according to my DMs, there, Jamie Lynn Spears was at what? the- Whoa, <laughs> where'd she come from? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. <laughs> she was at the finale, as long, like along with everyone else. And she took a little story of- Emma sitting with what's his name? Alan. Alan Burston is the other dancer. And she and she like zoomed in on them and she wrote Barbie and Ken. And people went nuts and sent so many people sent the story to me saying there have been rumors for years swirling around these two cheating throughout her marriage to Sasha. Have you heard anything? So, of course, I asked Lance, my husband. He was like, I've never heard a thing. But everyone told me that there were these rumors and that Sasha liked that tweet, which makes me think maybe the rumors were true. But I didn't see anything. And Lance also said, I never really saw anything between the two of them, like in rehearsals and stuff. Interesting. So, yeah, I know nothing about this. So thank you for breaking it down. I also have no more information um, I just thought that it was interesting that the husband liked the tweet and everyone was like, do do the husband liked the tweet. I'm like, wait, what? Like they had to explain it to me. I know um, something else you and I were just discussing is you just attended Jeff Lewis's holiday party last night. By the way, if anyone missed it, Jeff Lewis and I squashed our beef. Thank God. <laughs> we're totally <laughs> fine. Um, I actually enjoy DMing with him on um, Instagram. He's pretty funny. Um, But the talk of the party was Alexis Bellino shacking up with Shannon's ex. Yeah. So it was his Hollywood House Lift season two premiere party. So Amazon freebie. He has his new his second season of his show where he like redoes, you know, celebrity homes and all of his co-hosts were there and a bunch of Bravo Lebs. So Vicky Gumbelson, um, a couple of the OC, Jen Pedranti, she's the new girl from the OC. And then of course, Shannon Oh, I love ba- her. I love I lo- her. No, you don't I'm obsessed with her. I told her I was yeah. gonna come down and take a yoga class with her. Like I, I love, love her. her. Yeah. And then and, and actually her boyfriend Ryan, who got the worst he did. He got the worst edit this season. I don't know if he's a good or got bad guy, but in person, he's wonderful. He was so sweet. So um and then, of course, well, Kelly Dodd was there because Kelly Dodd and Jeff are very close with Rick Leventhal, her husband. And then right. I saw Shannon Bedore. She looked so she actually looked great. She's really tall. It was kind of surprising. And we were uh, chatting about a bunch of things. And then I said to her, you know, F John Jansen. And she goes, "Ugh, John Jansen and the and the woman. She said something like that. And then I saw. You know, for anyone that doesn't really like know the story at this point, we just have confirmed that Shannon Bedore's ex-boyfriend who was on the show, John Jansen, is now dating Alexis Bellino, who also was on OC years ago. She and Shannon apparently have never kind of really crossed paths or been on the show at the same time. But according to Alexis, this is like, you know, the night of Shannon's DUI, Shannon was yelling obscenities, according to Alexis. 
at Alexis that night at the at the bar before she ended up getting in the car oh, and driving. Oh shit. Yes. So this that that story came out like the week of the DUI. And that was way before John and Alexis have come out publicly with their relationship. I have no idea specifically like whose story is right. I'm assuming that, you know, if Shannon did do that, maybe because she was under the influence, she doesn't like fully remember, but she's denying that she did it. According to E, um, she did an interview last night on the red carpet. And I, oh, I guess okay. she's basically saying that that didn't happen, but pretty shady, pretty shady for, for this guy. I mean, he's the new Slade smiley. He's totally. hooking up with all of the girls of OC. I mean, everyone was going off on Jen Pedranti's boyfriend, Ryan, but like, he's the problem. John is the problem. I agree with you. Also, I've met Shannon at the St. Regis Hotel in New York, and she was so nice. Mm -hmm. So nice. Like, beyond nice, like, we were friends. You know, that's how she acted. It was it was early on when she first started um, being a housewife, and she was with her husband. God, I oh. forgot his name. Um, yeah, yeah Dave, David Bador. Yeah, she right? was with David Bador, yep. And she was so nice. So that is my experience with her. I think I think you hear like two sides, you know, of course, everyone's going to have bad days or whatever. But Vicky Gumbelson, I will say, is exactly Vicky Gumbelson in real life. Like I was dying. I couldn't believe it. I felt like I was on an episode of OC because I was just talking to her and she's like, I don't have time to deal with this. I can't deal with this. I, I'm a grandma. I have a business. Like, you know, she was talking about all the drama that's been kind of surrounding the, uh, you know, the gossip with Teddy and whatever. But the way that she talks about it is as if. I'm in an episode of OC. Like you just did a good impression of her. Like I could totally picture. She was like her family van. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's get into the Disney stuff. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. We received so I'm I'm scrolling through now. So many. Oh my god. So uh -oh. many submissions. <laughs> um, let's just get through as many as we can. I'm so sorry if anyone listening, I don't get to your question. They were plentiful which is what I predicted I knew I knew my audience was like really into this time period um plus you know Selena Zendaya huge huge celebrities now that we all love and follow mm -hmm. so let's just do like rapid fire are you are you okay with that I'm ready okay the first question is Disney celebs are very PR trained which celebrities did this come to naturally oh my gosh I think some people, I'll tell you who it didn't come to naturally. I remember hearing so many things about Miley Cyrus. You know, Miley, when she first started working on Hannah Montana, she couldn't say birthday. She would say birthday with an F. Right. And, and there's like, there's a lot of, um, you know, she, she had like a lot of speech, uh, like struggles and she had the flippers in her teeth and like, you know, do you know what those are flippers? They're like, yes, they, when you're missing teeth. And so yep. she, I think has really done the biggest turnaround. I just remember it's so unbelievable, but there's a big, huge part of Disney when they cast someone on one of their shows, 
it's so much more than how they do in the audition. They talk to the parents a bunch. They chat with the actors, the kids, when they come into the audition room, like this is when they're in the final kind of stages. They ask them a lot of questions in a scary environment, right? You're in a big conference room with 20 people, lights, camera, all of the thing. And they're, these adults are asking these 12 year olds questions, but it's on, it's intentional, right? They're never going to put someone on their shows at that age that aren't that aren't somewhat well-spoken and able to kind of pull it together. But child actors are unlike anything else. They're, I, I mean, I say this with love, but they're like robots. They're able to just like pull it together because they want those jobs so bad. Okay, so it's like ingrained in them is what I you're saying. I think so. I think so. It's like They're born classes. with it or without it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I get that. I could see that. Um, okay, somebody wants to know, did you see the Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Nick Jonas love triangle play out. I didn't. I didn't see it play out, but I was around kind of at that time. I wonder what year what that was, if I can think back. I feel like this was... So when the Jonas Brothers started to become a thing, they also had a series on the network at the time. But I wasn't on the same like lot as them, but they would come here and there, like they would come into... So we worked at Hollywood Center Studios, which at the time was... You know, we were doing Sweet Life on Deck and um, that was the Zach and Cody show. And then in the next stage over was, well, there's a bunch of different shows, but that was uh, the Selena Gomez show. Um, Wizards of Waverly, Waverly Place was right next to us. And then on the same lot, just across was, um, I think it was called So Random or sun, like uh, whatever Demi Lovato show was. I can't remember specifically what the name of the show was because it kept changing. So we were around that, but Miley Cyrus's show didn't shoot. Hannah Montana didn't shoot on our lot. So it was almost like because it wasn't specifically right next to us, we didn't see all of that every single time, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I think, though, it's just like they just all had crushes on each other. It was very incestuous. It's kind of like what we're seeing, you know, with all these shows and with all these networks. It's like everyone just hooks up with everyone. Do the adults like you were an adult, right? Like in this uh, on this set, do the adults gossip about these like love triangles and cast crushes or you kind of just like let the cast and the kids deal with that? I'm just curious. A bunch of them would come into our office. My my partner, my casting partner, Brandy and I, we were young. I mean, I was 26 when I started casting Sweet Life on Deck. So 26 versus, you know, some of the 40, 50-year-old writers. I think that they connected with us. We were young. We were friendly. We were kind of, you know, we were the ones auditioning all the actors. So a lot of the actors on the set would come up and hang out in our office and they would tell us a little bit of the gossip. So we had like a little bit of a different rapport, but because we weren't, you know, on like we were upstairs from the set, but because we weren't like the AD or the um, the PAs that were on the set, we didn't hang out with them usually when they were shooting as much. We were with them during the table read days and the run through days and the rehearsal days. But we got a lot of the good gossip, like when people had crushes on each other. Remember, at that time, there wasn't social media the way it is right. now. So, like, we didn't, we would just chat with them. We didn't, we weren't able to, like, go online and be, oh, my God, you posted a picture with da-da-da yesterday. There was none of that. Yeah, which was probably freeing for them. And it would probably would have been a lot worse. I can only know, imagine. Mentally I can for these only kids. only imagine. Yes. Right. 
Okay, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but someone wants to know, is it true that Selena Gomez was offered Camp Rock before Demi Lovato? I don't know the answer. Okay, that's okay. But I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Although, although, mm, listen, some people just have better voices and Camp Rock was such a musical show. And I mean, Demi Lovato can sing. Like that girl always was really able to sing. And I'm not saying Selena couldn't, but I don't know if Selena's voice was as strong as Demi's in those days. Okay, fair enough. I don't know. Um, someone wants to know how, how was Selena Gomez as a person during her teenage years? So I just, I met her a couple of times and she was always so kind. See, this is a thing. It's like, there was a couple people that we would see here and there that were kind of, you could tell were kind of jerks. But for the most part, all these young child actors, like we were seeing them when they were 12, 13, 14, like, young. They were so, for the most part, trained to be kind, to be sweet, to be courteous, especially to the adults. And I think they all were, you know, almost like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like a robotic experience for a lot of these, maybe towards each other. There was a lot of more cattiness, um, you know, between their castmates. And like, there was a little bit of like, you know, ganging up on certain sets. But yeah, in terms it was just of- somebody asked if there was bullying going on. That was going to be my next question. Okay, so on Sweet Life on Deck, uh, I don't want to like call anyone out, but on no, Sweet don't, Life on Deck- don't call anyone out. I won't call anyone out, but I'll just explain. Debbie Ryan was new to the show when Sweet Life of Zach and Cody turned into Sweet Life on Deck. Remember, Ashley Tisdale left. Brenda Song stayed. And uh, Dylan and Cole stayed and then a couple of other people. But for the most part, we had to do a whole new recasting when we got that show. And so we went and searched high and low for Debbie Ryan, which we ended up, I mean, for that character, Bailey, which we ended up finding Debbie Ryan. Now, Debbie was a 15 year old, 14, 15, I can't remember, that was obsessed with the show. Like she was a fan of Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. And so for her to come to New to LA and like meet everyone and have to, you don't understand, she had to meet Dylan and Cole on the day that she was screen testing for the show. So like, it, I told you already how nerve wracking and scary it is to be on the 21st floor of the Disney building before you're auditioning. And right before we brought her in, when we were working with her, we were like, oh, by the way, here's Dylan Sprouse or here's Cole Sprouse. And she was like, okay. And then she had to go in an audition. I mean, can you imagine like so scary for a little kid, but she was the new one. She was the new girl. And I can say a lot of things about, you know, all kinds of things, but in general, I do remember her coming. There was a lot of tears there were a lot of tears. There was a lot of, um, you know, conversations with Disney people about treatment. I think, I don't know if it was like a specific trying to make her feel bad or also just the fact that like, you know, they already had an established friendship, all these people on the show. And now she, she was coming in and maybe they didn't love that new dynamic. So there was a lot. I do remember a lot of that. Okay. And justice for Debbie Ryan, like we talked about this last time, how she's having like a resurgence or she did on TikTok. Yeah. Like, where is she now? I I haven't really been following, but I don't. I mean, she's been in something recently. I forget what um, streamer it was on, but I think she was in like some sort of like made for Netflix movie or something like that. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to have to check it out. But they're pulling up all of her old red carpet interviews and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, sort of making fun of her quirkiness, but 
it's endearing. You know, I'm sure it doesn't seem like she minds. I'm sure she knows all about it. But there was a, a time on um, a TikTok where that was happening. Really? Okay. I need yeah. to get on that side of TikTok. Oh, my God. You have to see it. It's actually people like people memorize word for word her, her red carpet answers. Really? Why? What were they like? Because it's just like really funny and quirky. I don't. And then they and then they act them out. I'm telling you, it was like a thing. That is so strange. And now I'm Googling her and looking at images. I mean, she is stunning. I will tell you something about Debbie. Like, I have always, Debbie didn't get the best, um, you know, reputation around. Just a lot of people had, you know, positive and negative things to say. Actually, it's about every single one of these people. There's always positive and negatives, I feel like. But, But Debbie, to me, I have a soft spot just because we really did, like, pluck her out of, you know, her bedroom. I mean, honestly, she auditioned on tape in her bedroom and and that was my first big show as a casting director. So I will always remember that. Um, But it's just so crazy. It's crazy to think number. Here's something that Brandy, my partner, and I always noticed when we were doing this. Disney had a face that they wanted to find for their shows and Debbie and Selena have the same face. I don't know if you recognize this. If you look at pictures from when they were younger, it's like Debbie fit a mold of like a perfect Disney look. In Do these they talk years. about this behind the scenes? Like what? It's kind of like Shirley Temple. Yes. It's this baby right? face kind of yeah. round yeah. baby face with big eyes beautiful I mean I like button noses like they're both they have the same face if you look at Selena Gomez and Debbie Ryan from back in the day of course Miley Cyrus is different but she was a celebrity already because of her dad and that was a big get for Disney to get you know her and her dad Demi Lovato almost had a little bit of it too like Vanessa Hudgens they all had this like right you're right now that you say it interesting it, it's weird. It's like Disney was attracted to a specific look and it was hard to kind of get them to, as we got older, I mean, as the, like we were doing it longer, I think they were more open to like the quirkiness and the different characters, but for their leading roles, for their leading girls, they really wanted a specific look. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now that you say it mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Well, let's talk about Zendaya. Oh, yes. You- we talked about in the last episode how you discovered her. Um, somebody <laughs> asks, what was casting Zendaya like? Did they know she was going to be the star that she is from Shake It Up? DraftKings Casino is bringing you only the best. Classics like blackjack, roulette, and slots. Plus exclusive games you won't find anywhere else. What's your favorite casino game, Ferris? Oh, you know it's roulette. <laughs> same. Same. Roll it like roulette, baby. Put it all on red. Put, <laughs> Put it. What numbers are you playing, Ferris? I'm playing six and 11 and uh, 16. I'm playing four. All my right. favorite number. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Download the DraftKings Casino app now and use code Do You. New players get an instant deposit match up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. That's code D-E-U-X-U, only on DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per new customer. Must opt in and make minimum $5 deposit within seven days, 168 hours of registering a new account. Max, match $100 in casino credits, which require one-time playthrough within seven days, 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash new player offer 2024. Oh my God. I don't think she had any idea. I have nothing but positive memories and things to say about Zendaya. Like Zendaya is the one person I think in this Disney world that is, has never like, I've never heard bad things. I mean, she really, honestly, I'm sure there are stories, but I've not heard them. So Zendaya, I I wish I remembered her agent's name. She, she obviously was submitted to us. The way it works is like, we got this, we got the script of shake it up which was called Dance Dance Chicago. And the writer, um, the man, his name is Chris Thompson. I hope I'm saying it right. Chris Thompson. He sadly passed away. Um, But he was an incredible writer and he had such a career behind him. And he was an interesting guy. I mean, definitely an interesting guy. But we were, we worked alongside him to audition these two girls. And we interviewed everyone. We auditioned every single person. So many people who were, who then became stars in their own way. But when we met Zendaya, she came in because she was submitted just like everyone else. She had no resume. She had some print ads. And when you look at Zendaya, I mean, how can you not fall in love, right? She's gorgeous, gorgeous. And she was also talented. She had the ability to dance and dancing was a big part of the show. So she came in, she auditioned. She was so sweet. Of course, like such an amazing look. She's, um, you know, she's biracial. And of course we brought her over to Disney and they, and they fell in love with her. I mean, I don't think she had any idea. Her parents are also the kindest people they were at least at the time. And I think that's hugely important to say that if you have good parents in this industry, it does change the like the path for you because the amount of bad parents we've seen and then their kids are just like not doing as well. It's really unbelievable. But I don't think she had any idea. I don't think any of us had any idea because Bella Thorne, who actually had a resume already and was working a lot and came from a family of actors and had a bigger agent at the time. She got the lead role, but I, I mean, obviously Zendaya's career has definitely taken a different path, like a much bigger path than Bella. And it's interesting. Well, I would think that that probably wasn't the plan, <laughs> but of course. you know, that happens people specifically celebrities, you know, they get on the wrong path and I think it derails Totally. There are plans. Do you know anything about the Lizzie McGuire reboot? No, I don't. And and it's like it's I mean, I know they were going to do it a couple of years ago, right? Like or last year? I, I think it was like twenty twenty two. Yeah, or twenty twenty one. Yeah. I mean, I just know that they fully cast it and they were going to do it. Um, as far as I know, actually, one of my friends' sister in laws was cast as a series regular and then it just kind of went away. I don't really know. Do you, what do you know about it? Was it like a 
what is what is the story that they're saying? I don't know anything about it. I know that it was was it announced like officially or was there just like rumors and then maybe I'm I'm pretty sure it was fully announced. I don't know what happened. I would have to like post and see if anyone who worked on it would have intel. Well, yeah. the Hollywood Reporter says Duff announced Hillary Duff announced the reboot reboot sorry, the reboot was no longer moving forward. Oh, in 2020, um after oh. the project had been announced, um she says that they got scooped. She didn't need to be doing bong rips and having one night stands all the time, but it had to be authentic. So she wanted the show to feel like she was actually growing up and like it Got wasn't. It. Uh, and then Disney was it was scared, I guess, too. OK, to so creative differences. Yeah, I think that that that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um. Someone wants to know, Dan Schneider, did everyone just know he was creepy slash were they afraid to speak out against him? I think. OK, so. When Dan was really like doing his thing at Nickelodeon, I was working more for Disney, but I had heard so much about Dan. And in fact, I was like so tripped out. Do you remember? Do you know who Dan's wife is? No. Okay. Dan's wife had a very, very popular, I guess it wasn't Instagram at the time. I don't even know. It was called the hungry girl. So yeah, so he was married to this woman who had a brand all about eating healthy. And I always just found it so interesting and so hypocritical considering that her husband, Dan, I mean, if you look at pictures of him, this guy is nothing close to like the picture of health. He is a large human being, a large mammal. Um, but he, I had heard rumblings less about the stuff that came out later, which was like what was going on behind the scenes with him and the women or the girls on the shows. And more about just kind of how he ran his writer's room and a little bit of uh, what sounded like controlling abusive behavior, you know, behind the scenes. Right. Wasn't there something like he had a foot fetish? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I learned all about that from, um, you know, like the Ariana Grande and Jeanette McCurdy. Right. So Jeanette McCurdy's book, which came out a couple of years ago or last year, I'm so glad my mom died or something along those lines. One of the best books I've ever listened to, honestly. And I didn't have a relationship with Jeanette personally, but just because knowing how she grew up and everything around that, it was really, really, uh, I would say eye opening. And to hear all the stories, I don't know if she actually names Dan by his name, but it's just, it's gross, gross. Right. Um, okay, let's change gears off of Dan Schneider. So obviously what you're saying is that like people knew. I think everyone had like a vibe. That's the thing about a lot of right. these people. It's like when they do, sorry, when they do come out with a, uh, you know, a story like this, it's very rare that people are, that are in their circles are like, what? No. Right. It's usually like, oh, finally they got found out. You That's know? so funny you said that because I was just interviewed for an Irish publication okay. about Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, and Jennifer Aniston. And I literally, they asked me if I was surprised about, you know, the alleged affair and like what went on. And I said, I was surprised, but I guarantee everyone in the industry was not. The industry always knows first. Uh -huh. They always know first. Yeah, and it's really, it's so true. It's a small little world. Yes, and they just wait and wait until, you know, this crazy shit comes out. And then behind the scenes, everyone's like, you like you just said. It's so funny you just said that. You just um, reinforced that 
I My think, answer was yeah, correct. I mean, like this is a whole other topic, but the, I was privy to crazy, crazy conversations, um, and just dynamics and experiences in the behind the scenes situations, like in writer's rooms, especially on a lot of these kids shows, like crazy things that would never fly today ever, or maybe they do. I don't know. Cause I'm not in writer's rooms anymore, but in, you know, the early two thousands, it's just like unbelievable what kind of things these, these guys, mostly guys, eh, all guys, um, got away with in terms of how they spoke to or about females or about other people. And yeah. And underage is, Oh my God. Well, underage for sure. I mean, we had a crazy experience and I'm not going to say who and what, but on a show that I worked on, on a very early, one of my first Disney shows that I worked on, um, one of the cast members was fairly young and she um she was overage so she was definitely legal but she got into a relationship with someone on the set who was working on the set um in production and he was quite a bit older like 30 years older probably or 20 years older at least and um you know had an ex-wife and a kid and it was i mean it was the, some crazy stuff you saw crazy wow yeah in that same sense um somebody wanted to know was there a lot of underage partying i never you don't saw... have to name names no yeah totally i never personally saw anyone like getting drunk or partying i'm sure they did stuff like offset maybe after school or after you know production wrapped but like from what i was aware of i think there was pretty much a tight ship in production, like, because their dressing rooms were just off the stage and a lot of their parents were around and Disney executives, Nickelodeon executives, they were all kind of around. So I think it would have been very hard for them to get away with, you know, parting on set, but I can only imagine on the weekends or after, you know, they were off doing their thing, but I never personally saw it. Remember there was no social media either like that. So it wasn't like we were following them on Snapchat. Right. Um, Somebody else wants to know kind of the same question without names, What's the craziest thing you've ever witnessed? Without names, what was the craziest thing? Well, one of the actresses on one of the shows that I worked on who was playing a teen ended a marriage of a friend of mine, a friend of mine's marriage because uh, she was, he had an affair with her and um, he was working on the show like in production as well. And he was married like, and you know, for a long time, like I went to the wedding and ended up having an affair with one of the girls who played a teenager. Yeah. And they ended up moving in together and everything. I have no idea what ended up happening, but I know they're not still together. (sighs) Was she legal at the time? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, so like, that's the thing is a lot of the the older teens were playing, you know, 16, right. 17, but they were really 19, 20 or maybe right. 21. Um, later, it became very much like they wanted true 12 year olds to play 12 year olds. They didn't want 15 or 16 to play 12. And I think that's because they knew the longevity of Disney or Nickelodeon, like they wanted three seasons out of it. And so they wanted to make sure that we were going to get, um, you know, like see gr- grow up with them and not have them all of a sudden be adults still playing kids like Beverly Hills right, I get that. a lot of questions about Amanda Bynes I don't mm. know if you had any interactions with her or have any thoughts about her or what she was like 
Yeah, I personally didn't. She was like right before my time. I mean, I watched her growing up like when I was a little bit younger, but uh, once I started working, she was already outside of the Nickelodeon family. I mean, I don't know where she was at that time, but she was a hundred percent like a, she is the prime example of how this can go wrong. And she was so damn talented, that girl. When you watch back and see her on all those shows on Nickelodeon, like it's unreal how good she was, how adorable she was and how well-loved she was. And I mean, not really like, you know, speaking out of turn by saying that her life went a very, very odd, different path. Hopefully she's doing okay now, but it's, it's pretty cra crazy and pretty sad. I think she was like very in the Dan Schneider world as well. Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, same question about Shia LaBeouf. I don't know if he was mm -mm. also before your time or if you had any interaction with him. Well, so the first casting director I ever worked for, her name was Joey Paul. And she was, I was an intern for her first right after I graduated college. And she worked on That's So Raven. And that was the show that we worked on. But just across town at a different studio, like kind of in a pretty crappy neighborhood in LA, really strangely, there was another small studio and that's where they were shooting Phil of the Future. And Joey cast it, that my boss cast that show as well. So with Christy Carlson Romano and um, not Phil of the Future, um, even Stevens even and Phil yeah. of the Future. Phil of the Future was right after even Stevens. Yes, that's what it was. So even Stevens was just rapping when we started and then Phil of the Future was going on all, but it was all kind of similar production people. And so some of the people that I ended up working with, um, they were became like, it, this is so crazy, but like one of the writer's assistants and another producer's assistant on the show that we worked on, they all had a relationship with Shia because of even Stevens. And so they were producers on um, Shia's a short film that Shia produced years ago. And we shot it downtown. I was working in the casting side of it uh, and we shot it downtown and he was like super, super cool. I mean, Shia was like a cool, cool dude. I don't remember ever getting like a, I definitely got like an ego arrogant vibe, but after we worked with him, once he kind of left that, that's when things started to get a little bit wild with him. But at that time, he was just like creative and smart and really like just I just remember thinking he was like he had his shit together. Interesting. Wonder, yeah. Wonder what happened there. Yeah, because he's definitely I think he talked about his struggles with alcohol. Maybe that had something to do with it. I think I think he did. I think he's talked about it. A lot of it is just parting and over parting and too much parting. And then, of course, it's like. I mean, we just have to remember what it's like growing up, knowing that right. you're everything. I mean, I had a whole experience working as an acting coach after I stopped casting. And I was an acting coach for kid actors around the country. And they would spend so much money to come to Los Angeles to put themselves up to stay with people, to stay in an apartment, whatever, for pilot season for months and months on end, like literally straight out of the movies, they would come to me and spend so much money coaching with me for every single audition that they had. Um, they would buy me gifts and like I would just get so many perks from working with these kids because their moms and their dads just wanted them to book. And then, you know, some of them did and most of them didn't. And it's just it's got to be a crazy lifestyle. I can't imagine. Well, someone wants to know, again, this is a good segue, who are the best parents? Like which young celebrities had, they're using the word best parents, but then they clarify and say, did any 
of these parents prioritize education for their kids? I'm sure a lot of them did. Um, I'm let me try to think like off the top of my head who I can remember that was amazing. I mean, we worked on a, a bunch of different shows through the years. Um, but there was people like Jenna Ortega's mom was fantastic, wonderful. She was so kind. Kayla Maisonette, I don't know if you know who that that is, but she was on, I mean, I cast her so many times through the years, but she was on um stuck in the middle with Jenna Ortega. So she was one of the sisters on that show, but she was also a caster on a Nickelodeon pilot called Schmagreggy. I mean, don't even ask what kind of a name that is, <laughs> but that was like when she was like 12 and I loved her mom and I still do. Um, a lot of uh, Zendaya's parents, like I said, were great. Um, I'm trying to think there was a lot of like grandparents on the set a lot, but Aww. I think, yeah, totally. Like Jake Short, I don't know if you know who he is, but Jake Short, he has a po uh, podcast with um, Matthew, Stephen, Stephen Perry or whatever. He was also another uh, kid actor. Jake Short was in the show Ant Farm that that we cast with China McLean. And he was, he his grandma was always around kind of taking care of him. That a lot of times that happened where the grandma was like, the main parent because the parents couldn't be there. You know, they still had other kids, other places. Um, so there was a lot of really, really nice, kind families. I'm sure I'm forgetting some who were just good and just wanted their kids to be good. But it's like, I don't know if they any of them prioritize education because if you're putting your kid on a Disney show as a series regular, you know, you know that they're only getting a couple hours of school per day and it's kind of like forced school. It's not even... Um, you know, it's not even because the parents are saying they have to. It's because they have to do it to get on set. Right. Right. Exactly. There are regulations, right? Like California yep. state regulations. Yeah. It's all union. It's totally everything is very, very watchdog. Like to be a child on set, there's crazy, crazy uh, rules that you have to follow in terms of how many hours you can work. Well, that's why there are so many babies that are twins in real mm. life, because um, like when we were casting, when we cast stuck in the middle. Well, the pilot with Jenna Ortega, the baby sister was two girls. And it was because each one being that they were so young, under two years old or whatever, they could only work maybe 45 minutes or an hour a day. So you had to kind of get twins. That's why there was two Mary-Kate and Ashley's, you know? Right. Um, have you ever seen Austin Butler audition for anything? Okay. So he started as a guest star on Hannah Montana. That was his first job. Then he did like a little iCarly. Um, yeah, I mean, he would audition for us. Like he was in and out of the offices all the time. He was on Zoe 101. That's right. He would be in and out of audition rooms all the time because he was one of, so like the way it worked was there was a few kids that were just so phenomenal and could really nail every audition. They were almost like, kids that we would take straight to producers because the way it works is like there's a pre-read, which is just for casting. And then if they're good, they go to producers. And if they're good for producers and you're looking for a series regular, then you go to like Disney and Nickelodeon for a screen test. So there were actors like Austin Butler that were just so good that they were always on every list. If you were looking for a boy that was, you know, the handsome heartthrob leading boy at that age, 14, 15 or whatever, he was definitely going to be on the list. A couple of years before, Zac Efron was always on the list. Um, it was just kind of like that. There was always that one kid that was that was going to be on every list. Noah Centineo, 
Do you know oh, who he is? Yeah, no. of course. I didn't even know he was in any Disney or Nickelodeon. We worked really, really hard to get Noah booked on every single thing that we did. Like Noah was one of those actors that we just knew he was going to be amazing and we could not get like there's a lot of actors that were so phenomenal and such good actors just were not Disney kids and they weren't Nickelodeon kids. Mm. And he may have booked like a guest star here and there, but, you know, it was weird. Some kids, Disney or Nickelodeon just didn't want maybe it was comedy. Maybe it was the fact that they just didn't see the leading role, but it was very frustrating for us because that happened to us all the time where we would audition kids that we just knew were phenomenal, but Disney or Nickelodeon or or even later MTV, like all the networks, you know, they have people on their list that they're just like, no, we don't like them. Because so ultimately crazy. it were it comes down to one person. Everyone says that like there's so many cooks in the kitchen and there are, but mm-hmm. ultimately like at Disney, if, if uh, you know, Gary, who was the head of Disney TV, Gary Marsh at the time, if Gary didn't like the person, it was not, it was a no-go, no matter what, right? So the goal here was to kind of sweet talk Gary into liking. And that's how it worked on all of the networks. You know, at the end of the day, the head of the network or studio had to sign off. And if they didn't, they didn't want to be bullied into saying yes on someone, no matter how good the actor was, it was over. That's so wild. I wonder if they have, re- they must have regrets for people oh my gosh, that they, they have put their foot to. down about. Yeah. Like Victoria Justice, like we, we tried to get her on Disney and they said no and they ended up putting her on Nickelodeon. Um, Jenna Ortega, we tried to get her on Nickelodeon. They ended up putting her, of course, they didn't, you know, cast her and then she ended up going to Stuck in the Middle for Disney. Um, there's, there's a lot of kids like that. A lot of them that they just like some networks just didn't really see. And then they ended up going to the other one and becoming a huge star. Okay. Somebody asked this question. This is perfect for what we're talking about, but I'm going to change the wording a little bit um, because you kind of named a bunch of celebs that you just said, like flip-flopped Disney to Nickelodeon or Nickelodeon to Disney. But are there any stars that auditioned for shows and didn't end up booking it, but became famous later on. So is there any now celebrities that didn't make it to Disney or Nickelodeon that are now famous? Oh, my God. For sure. But I need to, like, try to think specifically. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, you could think about it. Somebody, Well, somebody, it, this is sort of also in conjunction. I'd be curious to know who else was in the running for the big roles like Wizards of Waverly Place and iCarly. So because I didn't cast those, I don't know their final okay. list, and I'd be so interested. But, like, the ones that I worked on, I mean, ultimately, like, some of them, it's so crazy because some of them went on and just, like, became, you know, names. Like, for example, okay, like – um. Like a lot of the girls that are on, you know, the ABC family type shows, like the Pretty Little Liars, yes, those girls, they all went through the Disney world, like trying to get them on a show and it just didn't work. Um, or they did get shows, but they never got the series regular. They never got the lead. So that we were finding all the time, like the the next big, you know, teen star that was on another network all try we tried so hard to get them on because there's really not even though we think there's so many actors out there there's really not that many that are that good right (laughs) like no I I believe it you audition so many yes there's like thousands that will come in to audition but there's really only like a good solid you know maybe 20 to 30 girls in this age range between 12 and 14 years old that can act. And then a lot of times they have to be able to sing or dance as well and have the right look. 
So it's like we ended, it was a little bit of a revolving door. So what we would do a lot of times is we would, you know, put people on hold. We would see people, we would like put a pin in them. And then the, especially if it was pilot season and then, you know, CBS would come to us and be like, we want to audition. Da, da, da. And we would say, we have a hold on them. You know, it was like, it was very competitive. That's what pilot season used to be for um, the entertainment industry is like, there was a period of time where everyone would cast their pilots and the kid actors were, you know, very few and far between. And there's, there's just wasn't that many. So we would just like go all in and try our hardest to try to get as many people as we could on our networks. It's very competitive. And Disney just didn't pay nearly as much as, you know, other networks did. But what Disney did give was like ultimate stardom for a lot of these kids. Right. Like a lot of, a it lot was of the these groundwork. Yup. And a lot of these kids did not want to do. So it was weird because there was a lot of kids that or like agents or managers who wanted their kids to be on Disney because they knew it was going to be three years of a solid show and they would, you know, become names or whatever. And then a lot of people didn't want them to because they were going to be pigeonholed as Disney stars, which also is a curse. It's not necessarily always a good thing to not be a anymore, series though. I feel like don't it's you feel different like now it's, pro it's proven that that I, I know what you're saying that that stigma is mm -hmm. not valid like all all the people we were just talking about austin butler zendaya selena gomez like jenna ortega like in some great great roles over the it, past couple of years a hundred percent a hundred percent i'm just kind of going through it's so funny i'm just kind of going through um my emails for for the last show that I ended up casting, which was stuck in the middle. And I'm getting like, I'm just trying to find some good names for you because it was so many people that we, you know, brought to producers or whatever towards the end. But it was ugh, such a crazy time. So when you see a show like Pretty Little Liars become such a huge success as a casting director, were you just like, oh, I told you so. Like, you know what I mean? Like Lucy Hale should have been Yes. You oh know, my God. Lead Lucy, role in, yeah, Lucy, we whatever. would audition. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy, we would audition all the time. I'll never forget one of the jobs that we got, which was the craziest. And it was for, we got a call randomly to do this, this show called Mackenzie Blue, which is, was out of nowhere. And it was at, the audition was at the Beverly Hills Hotel, like off of the polo room with all these like huge celebrity music like masters, right? These like really big deal music producers were working on it. And um, I don't know how they got our number. I don't know why they hired us. It was so early on, but we ended up working on it. We brought so many people to them, like Lucy Hale. We brought, um, we brought Bella Thorne. We brought, oh, you know who, who was a huge one for us who became kind of a bigger star. Her name is Caitlin Deaver. Do you know who she is? No. Um, if you looked her up, let me see what she's like most uh, famous for, but you would definitely recognize her. She has been in, okay, now she's 26 years old. She was on, she became a series regular on The Last Man Standing. Um, then she was on Dope Sick. She was in Dear Evan Hansen, the movie. She was in oh, wait, wait, Booksmart. What's her name again? Caitlin Deaver, K-A-I-T-L-Y-N. Oh, yes, 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 Booksmart. Yes, I know exactly who that is. Sorry. I think in my head I was pronouncing her name differently. Her oh, yeah, name. okay. Yeah. So some people say Deaver, some people say Dever. And it was right before, I mean, I think, I don't even know if she, if we ever actually 
cast her. We may have cast her as like a small little role. She was so phenomenal. And I remember bringing her because she could sing. She was playing the guitar. She was so adorable. So we brought all these like really big stars over to uh, Mackenzie Blue and to see like the this producer session in front of all these really big um, music producers and nothing ended up happening with the project. They just completely took it away. It was based off like a book and they completely went away with it. And, and then before you know it, all of these, um, all of these girls like went on to become these big stars. There was a girl who was in that show, that movie, the orphan. She was one of the girls that we yeah, brought I've in. Seen that. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. crazy. So that's like kind of how it worked. Oh, another one that we would do is like, we would audition a lot of times, like five-year-olds for these small little roles. And so Ella, who ended up being um, Piper on Henry Danger, Ella Anderson. I don't know if you know that name. I mean, I don't. we're all old. So like, it doesn't, <laughs> I don't know how old you are. Thanks, she's, Donna. Uh, sorry. You're, you're like, you're probably 16. Um, she's, <laughs> she was Piper on Henry Danger. So she's been around forever on that show. She's very, very popular. She's 18 now, but we cast her as like a five-year-old and she had one little line, but it's like, you know, when you know. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, somebody asked this question, and I'm actually curious. How much would a lead child actor get paid per episode? The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. So it was like, it was so, it, it varied, obviously. If you were someone that was on a variety of different, um, you know, networks and you've worked on different shows and you have a quote because that's how it worked. It was like, it was based on your quote a lot of times, but most kids didn't really have like a working quote already. And so what they would do is they would, you know, usually offer like a very base amount. So for the pilot, it would be a certain amount, like maybe um, I could be, you know, I don't, I don't remember exactly how much for the pilot, but then they would pay them. They signed a contract during the pilot of how much they would pay them per episode for that entire season. And so sometimes it would be like 7,500. Sometimes it would be 10,000. Sometimes it would be 20,000 per episode. It really just varied. But the different, like what's crazy about it is because you're signing away everything before you even get the job. 
if you become like a massive, huge star, you're, you're contracted to not make more money for the next, you know, however many years, maybe just like a little bit of a bump. So the money was never like phenomenal for Disney stars. It really wasn't. They never like Disney pretty much, I think is known as a network that just never really paid that much to their, to their talent. Um, whereas like if you were a series regular on ABC show or a CBS show or whatever, you could be making upwards of, you know, $50,000 an episode, depending on the show. So it really just depends, but kids kind of get screwed because they don't have a quote to come in with. Once you have a quote, you kind of have to match that quote going forward. So if you're new on the scene, if you're like Selena Gomez, right? I, I don't know her exact resume, but she was on like Barney. And then I think she jumped right into wizards or was she on some, I don't know if she was on a few things before that, but if you're pretty new to the scene, like how do they come up with what they're initially paying you with? You said it varies. It could be, I think to me, there's a big difference between $7,500 an episode and $20,000 an episode. So how do they quantify that? I would say you're not, if you're a little kid, like you're not getting that much, you're not getting $20,000 an episode. Age. You're saying like it, it also could do with age. I think age is a big one and previous experience. Like Disney knows that they, that most people are dying to be on their network. And so they can get away probably with paying a little bit less. And also the agents and managers that are working in this world, like they've been doing deals for Disney and Nickelodeon stars for God knows how for many years. And so because of that, like they, they know that like, they know what they're dealing with. They send their actors in knowing kind of what the the rate is and they're not planning on getting like a crazy amount of money knowing that you know most likely it won't be a very expensive budget right somebody wrote in i'm not sure what this is in reference to i'm assuming dylan sprouse said this in an interview i can't believe dylan sprouse was body shamed on set i feel so sorry for him okay so i saw this clip so christy carlson romano has a podcast and I I don't remember what it's called, like maybe vulnerable or something like that. I don't know. She was the older sister on Even Stevens with Shia LaBeouf. So she has a podcast. And just recently they had the woman, Kim, who played, um, who played Kim Rhodes is her name. And she played Dylan and Cole Sprouse's mom on Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. And so that was the first show. Remember, I came in on Sweet Life on Deck. And Kim came back a couple times, but because the show was based on like, as kind of like a traveling sea school, um, the parents weren't really around. So what she was talking about is basically at some point, Dylan, I guess, was standing at Crafty. Crafty is craft services for anyone that doesn't know being on set. You have like um, tables and tables of just junk and food. And so she was there. And she saw, I guess, Dylan going and and trying to get something to eat. And apparently someone, they say Disney exec, like in the, in the press, but that, that took the clip, but she says, how are you able to write for kids and think this way? So I think it was one of the writers who basically probably the executive producer or the showrunner, the writer who basically said like, no, we're not eating this. We can't do this anymore because basically Dylan was, was getting a little bit. I guess, gaining a little weight. Okay. And that was something that was 100% a real thing. That's the first time I heard about it with Dylan specifically, but I know absolutely there were 
conversations behind the scenes all the time. I don't know how much they talk to the parents about it or the kids about it, about not letting them overeat, not letting them gain too much weight, not letting them, you know, do certain things. It was a big, it was, it was a conversation like a hundred percent. That's so crazy. Uh huh. And between seasons, like you didn't want a kid to come back after hiatus, after three months and like, you know, be a completely different weight. That's fucked up. That the pressure totally does on these kids. Yeah. It is totally fucked up. But at the same time, like it's unfortunately like it is a business. And so they had no choice but to, you know, Disney, not no choice. Like I don't say that like that, but I think now things are very different. Like now in the world of TV, quirkiness is in and being different is in. And like, you see it now, like the shows that my kids watch, which I don't even know what they're watching, but the shows that they watch, like there's always, you know, a gay character or like a chubby character or someone that, you know, is all kinds of different ethnicities. And I know that they were really big on diversity. Disney was, but like, we weren't talking about being gay on the shows. Like there was none of that talk, you know, it was maybe implied. We did have a couple of characters that we would cast, like, his name was Matthew Timmons and he was um, his character was Woody and it was on Sweet Life on Deck and he played this kind of like gross, dirty kid. And they definitely wanted like a chubby guy. And so the whole character was written around the fact that he was chubby. It wasn't like he was a chubby guy just playing a kid. He was a kid that had to play the chubby. Got it. Kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also fucked up. Yeah, it actually is. Like looking <laughs> yeah, back, it is. it is. His whole character yeah. was about him being like gross and wanting to eat all the time. And, you know. Yeah. Um, had you ever heard anything about a feud between Ariana Grande and Jeanette McCurdy on Sam and Cat? I never personally heard about it, but then I read all okay. about it. I mean, like, okay. I'm I'm sure it's real. I actually heard, listen, I've never met Ariana Grande, but a lot of my friends you know, our agents and managers and repped her. And then a lot of people that I worked with worked with her. And just honestly, I mean, I didn't hear the best things of how she was off, like not on set. Right. I've heard some things too. I don't know if she's different (laughs) now. She was, she was younger then, you know, I think that people definitely change. Absolutely. I mean, I, I really don't know much about her, you know, now at all, but, but I think that, you know, some kids that have so much talent just have like a an element about them that just kind of walks through like, you know, like their shit doesn't stink type of energy. Right. Somebody wants to know what is your favorite memory from That's So Raven? It's their favorite show or it was their favorite show. Oh, my God. The musical episode was my favorite episode. I'll never forget how amazing it was. There was one episode. Number one, That's So Raven has such a soft spot in my heart because I was brand new to this industry. And I had just, I mean, I grew up here in LA, but I came back from UC Santa Barbara, got right onto this job, met my boyfriend who was also working on the show and all of our friends. So like, it felt like just like the most fun thing ever. And so every Thursday and Friday, they would shoot the show on set and Friday nights would have the live audience that would come in. So it was just the energy was high. And this one week, I'll never forget, they did a musical episode where they had an amazing person kind of come up with all these lyrics and this, these these in, insane, like, great songs. And the show is still available, the episode. And they're all amazing singers. I mean, you have Raven Simone, you had Annalise Vanderpool, you had Orlando Brown, who, poor thing, I don't even know where he is now. But, like, you had all these really, really talented people and great choreography and costumes. And it was, it was the best week ever. It was so much fun. I'll never forget it. 
So that was obviously one of your favorite shows to work on. Somebody asked that question too. I would say it was my favorite show to work on because I was so like, it was, it was so novel to me. Like it just felt so freaking cool to be on, on set of a show that I would just have just watched on TV. And like, everything was just so new. I was so excited to be there. You know, I was 22 years old. Now someone like Raven Simone, like we were talking about like the, the uh, episode uh, payment structure. I feel like someone like her, would be on the higher end because she was on such a successful series before that. I mean, I now I'm really dating myself, but the Cosby show, she was like the star of the Cosby show. So what I remember about That's So Raven, and I can't speak like a, in a hundred percent, but it was a show about something else. It was a nut. Okay. Then the pilot was named something else and it was not with that with Raven as the lead. It was with another girl and Raven, I think, was cast as the friend. And this happens a lot. Okay, so here, Absolutely Psychic. That's what it was called. It was called Absolutely Psychic. It was in 2001 where Raven Simone starred as the best friend. I wonder who the lead was, but the test audience. So what they do is like, you know, they shoot the pilot, they create the whole thing, and then they show it to a bunch of different test audiences and kind of get some ideas. And then from there, they'll recast or retool. A lot of times they'll make a show like they'll take it from a single camera show to a multi-camera show or vice versa, you know, whatever. So after, um, you know, the test audience really liked her, producers really liked her. So everything was retooled to include her in the main role. And all of a sudden, because they had Raven Simone, they just decided to call it That's So Raven because Raven yeah. was a little bit more of a popular person, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, she like anyone who watched the Cosby show, like when it actually aired, she stole the show every scene she was in. I mean, she's so talented oh she, was she is so, she was so cute too. so oh. funny so talented she always made us laugh like she was it's pretty unbelievable like how young she was I don't even know how old she was at the time but she was a teen and to be and like her dad would always be around I remember like it, it's really pretty crazy to hear you know to know that she was so young and able to do it yeah um, okay, the final question I have is somebody wants to know, why didn't she cast me when I auditioned for all that funniest kid in America search? Oh my God, <laughs> that you... is the funniest thing because uh, I don't think I cast did her. Did you cast that? <laughs> all that funniest character? Oh my gosh, maybe I did. I don't remember it. No, no offense, all you that were great. Funniest kid in you were great. Um, you know what I used to say? I used to say just not the right timing or... Um, uh, this is not the right rule, not right for this. So maybe that was it. I mean, okay, that's yeah. the craziest thing is that it's like, so, it's so hard to find these characters. But what I always say, and this is for any like young actors or even older actors that are listening to this is like, there's, when I think about the role of Zendaya, right? We auditioned thousands of girls for that role and it's all the same script and it's all the same stage direction and it's all the same, like no one has any, more knowledge than anyone else when they come into that audition. The only thing that they're able to do is bring themselves and their own take to it. And some people just can come in and just encapsulate the role. It's so, it's like not even something you can really explain. It's just, they are the role and there's no other way it could go, you know? Yeah. And you are a good casting agent for <laughs> being able to see that. It. And yeah. And bringing us these, these, some of these talents that are, you know, still, 
still cooking. Putting still out kicking. work today. Yeah, I was just looking kicking. at my um on. I did a show called Haunted Hathways, and these. By the way, these names of these shows kill me. <laughs> like they are the be- they are the best names. Um, Haunted Hathaways. TV, it's so every, ridiculous. You're like pulling out these names of shit that I've never heard, and it's like, God, they must have a field day. So like we ended up casting, this is for a 13 year old girl. The year was, hold on, I'll tell you, it was 2012. Okay. 2012. And we were looking for a 13 year old girl. Well, we ended up casting a girl named Amber Montana. You may not know who she is, but the final people that were testing, um, uh, I don't know if you'll know some of these names, but here are some of the people that were in the final, um, like producer sessions that you'll recognize for sure. Sabrina Carpenter. Yep. Um, I don't know if you know Rowan Blanchard, uh, Olivia Sounds Rose familiar. Keegan, Kira Kasarin. Do you know who Kira Kasarin is? No, she was also a I big, um, she has a song on the radio. She's like a, she was a Nickelodeon girl. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's any, Brooke Sorensen. I don't know if you know any of these names, but these are all girls that went on to have like, you know, pretty decent careers doing other things. Like it's, it's, they all like if you're good you're gonna find a a role at the end of the day and not saying that like if you didn't ever get cast that you're bad but it's just I think if you're really talented and you have the drive and you have like the persistence and you'll still go in um oh this is funny Tori Keith you want to hear like a total random story this girl and then we'll be done so Tori Keith Tori Keith is a girl who she was 13 in 2012 sorry to to yell your um, age, Tori. So Tori was so cute, such a great singer. We would bring her in for everything, loved her. Then in 2016, my partner and I became talent agents for adults at an agency. So we totally left casting and became an agency. And we were trying to find people to rep that we loved. And so we were going through all these people that we loved and we thought, let's bring in Tori Keith. We ended up bringing her in, signing her. And then we stopped being agents. Well, just yesterday, the Vanderpump Rules new trailer drops. Okay. Or just, you know, whenever we're, (laughs) whenever this comes out, the Vanderpump rules, new trailer drops. And in that trailer, did you watch it? Are you interested at all in this deal? I didn't watch it, but my, my, but I know my, my, uh, my listeners love Vanderpump. Okay. So in the trailer for the season 11, there's this one girl who has pink and black hair. And she's saying that she has a crush on both Tom Schwartz and Katie Maloney you know, exes and you see her making out with both of them. And then Katie Maloney goes, well, let the, you know, the best man win. Well, that's Tori Keith. And I just texted her yesterday. It's wild. I texted her and I was like, you've got to be freaking joking me. You're on Vanderpump rules, making out with Katie and Tom. Like, What are the chances? And I know this little girl is a 13 year old. Wait, now I want to watch the, uh, the trailer. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. You got it. I didn't. I didn't realize it was that juicy. I I thought they were still stuck stuck on all the Sandoval stuff. No, you got to watch it because there's this whole thing where they're saying that Tom Schwartz hooked up with Sheena during his marriage to Katie in Vegas. And but I have a whole conspiracy theory about it. But anyway, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on and giving us so much of your time and insight about what it was like behind Mm -hmm. the scenes during the time of um, everyone's favorite shows on Nickelodeon and Disney and you are welcome back anytime but tell everyone where they can find you because you have a great podcast and platform as well thank you so I have a daily show called Daily Dose of Donna that's spelled D-A-N-A and I'm on Instagram and TikTok at this is Donna Bowling 
and I talk about all things reality pop culture daily. Yeah, you have a lot of juice. You know a lot. You I do, because you're uh, out there. I'm you're out, out there in the streets. Yeah. I am boots on the ground. You are boots on the ground. So <laughs> everyone listen listen to Donna's podcast. And thank you so much. And thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks. This has been a production of Cadence 13, an Odyssey studio. 